Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. You're going to love this talk that I have with my dear friend, Lissa Rankin. So I'll tell you a little bit about who Lissa is professionally in a moment. But first, I want to share who she is to me personally. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you might have heard me tell the story of how back several years ago, more than several, probably eight years ago, when I was wanting to make more friends, one of the things I practiced was if I found somebody that I really connected with, I would just say to them, I really like you. Do you want to be friends? I would literally be that direct. And I was at an event and Lissa was there and we were talking and she had had one of her best-selling books out by that time. And a lot of people were asking her for different things. And I just really thought she was so cool and so sweet and so deep and like total soul sister. And she said, oh, well, hey, nice to meet you. What can I do for you? And I'm like, really nothing. I just like you. Do you want to be friends? <laughs> and that's how our friendship started. And Lissa is someone that has traversed the deep waters of life. She's full of so, so, so much wisdom. And she shares so many incredible nuggets on this episode. A little bit more about her background. She is the New York Times bestselling author of The Daily Flame, Mind Over Medicine, The Fear Cure, and the anatomy of a calling. She's a physician, she's an MD, speaker and founder of the Whole Health Medicine Institute. She's passionate about what makes people optimally healthy and what predisposes them to illness. And she's discovered that connecting to your inner pilot light, which we talk about on the show, is not only essential to optimal health, making your body right for miracles. It's also the golden ticket to finding and fulfilling your calling, nurturing healthy relationships, being a loving, responsible, ethical soul tribe member, downloading creative new ideas from the muse and restoring peace on earth. Like I said, you're going to love this episode. So take a deep breath, really tune in to your inner pilot light, which Lissa will define. And Towards the end of the episode, she takes you through a very, very powerful exercise to connect more deeply to your inner wisdom. So make sure you're in a quiet space where you can really take that in. And now on to my talk with Lissa. My dear longtime friend, Lissa, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to dive into whatever we talk about because our conversations are always juicy. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here, Christine. <laughs> A delight. Yes. Well, you are a delight. And so is your new book, The Daily Flame, which we're going to dive into in a bit. But before we started recording, I asked you what you were most excited about talking about. And you brought up your one of your most recent blogs, which I read and loved, which is The Paradox, You Can Heal Yourself, But You Can't Heal Alone. Tell me more about this. Did you buy into that notion that you're supposed to heal yourself at some point, like all alone? Well, I mean, I, I'm trained as a conventional medical doctor. Mm -hmm. So I bought into the story that the doctor will heal you. Mm. For me as well. So by the time I was 33, I was taking seven drugs and I was fully believing the doctors that told me that I would need to take those seven drugs for the rest of my life. Yeah. And they were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, it, I didn't even question that. So the the whole idea that I could actually make radical changes in my life, which included quitting my job as a doctor, and in order to get off of those seven drugs, that was radical. Mm -hmm. Coming from a background where my father was a doctor, I was a doctor, I was fully indoctrinated, pun intended, <laughs> into that kind of conventional medical worldview. 
So the idea of you can heal yourself, I remember somebody giving me Louise Hay's book when I was a doctor, and I was like, oh, that's so cute and bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I was amused by it because it seemed so naive. Mm. And so it was actually quite shocking for me when after leaving the hospital uh, when I was 36, I discovered the work of people like Yale surgeon Bernie Siegel, who wrote Love Medicine Miracles, or... Larry Dossey, you know, who was writing about the power of, of intention, the power of prayer in, in the healing process. I was discovering people like Rachel Naomi Remen, who created the Healer's Art, which is taught at 90 medical schools in seven countries in the world. All of this was completely not in my field. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been raised that way. It wasn't taught to me in medical school. I didn't have friends who talked about this stuff. So the whole kind of you can heal yourself paradigm was quite threatening. And also exciting. But then I entered into a world of kind of the new age people where uh, that teaching, I started to see where it was going off the rails. And I was curious about it and began investigating it. And I wrote a book called Mind Over Medicine that was largely about the placebo effect and spontaneous remissions and kind of these miracle stories of people who had, quote unquote, incurable illnesses who were getting better. And nobody was really asking why, how, what are they doing? And Mm. I started asking. I was back at an integrative medicine practice by that point, and I started discovering that patients of mine were having spontaneous remissions. And I was, in my opinion, doing nothing. Mm. And I I was asking good questions. I was basically doing therapy and trauma healing work. And their illnesses were going away, quote unquote, spontaneously. So... I think the the place where things can go off the rails is where you make the, it's kind of like the self-help world has made its own monster in tying into people's not good enough wounds or unworthiness wounds and convincing you that if only you are good enough, you can cure your cancer, you can manifest a million dollars, you can call in the love of your life. You can get everything your ego desires if only you do it good enough. And yeah. if you're not getting what you want, then there's there's something fundamentally flawed about you. And that gets to me very dangerous when mm-hmm. we start talking about things like physical healing, because the last thing somebody with cancer needs to be hearing from anybody is you're in charge of this on your own and you need to do it by yourself. Like that's fundamentally not going to work because it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. And I think it, a lot of people, when they have an illness, they blame themselves so much. And when they're told, not only are you responsible for fixing this, but by the way, you brought this on yourself too. It's like a double whammy and and there's so much shame. And we both know, I don't think it takes a doctor to know that shame does not help the healing process. Absolutely not. And I really believe, I mean, we are tribal beings. As Mm -hmm. a species, we are meant to be in tribes. And the isolation of our messed up culture that has, you know, in in the U.S., the fundamental worldview of people in the U.S. is the sort of rugged individualist, like the pioneering spirit of like, we got to do it on our own. And at some point, people really did have to do it on their own. So we've bred an entire country full of people who think I can do it on my own. Yeah. And so it's funny because I teach, you know, I've been, this book, The Daily Flame has 
has come from 10 years of writing a daily email called The Daily Flame, where I'm basically teaching people, you can be your best healer. You can be your best therapist. You can be the most reliable spiritual teacher. Like, you are the one you've been waiting for. You can be your inner beloved. Like, Mm. you have within you that, I call it your inner pilot light, you have that spark within you that is capable of facilitating deep healing, deep connection, deep self-actualization, trauma healing, all of that. But I never want people to mistake what I'm teaching and suggest that if you go to a cave and you sit in your cave (laughs) and you connect to your inner pilot light, then everything good is going to happen to you and nothing bad is going to happen to you and you're going to get everything you want because fundamentally it's not true. Yes, it's so true. So let's expand on that. Fundamentally, why is that not true? Well, first of all, I think, for example, let's let's look at a physical healing journey or a therapy, a therapeutic, a psychology journey. Let's say either you're healing from illness or trauma, and we've all been traumatized, so I'm not just talking about the big T traumas of things like sexual abuse or childhood abandonment or growing up in a war zone, things like that. We've all been traumatized. So I think that when we are unpacking For example, what is at the root cause of this chronic pain condition that I'm struggling with? Or what is at the root of why I keep playing out this pattern in my relationships again and again and again? How come I keep attracting the same person to traumatize me in the same way over and over? When we get into that territory, it's so tender, Christine. It's so tender. And you know this because you and I have been patients of of therapy (laughs) and patients of physical challenges. And so if we go into that territory, it's vulnerable. There's like inner child work. There's really tender young parts in our psyches that create energetic blocks in our bodies that can crystallize into physical ailments. And I don't think we're meant to tend to those sweet, wounded, young parts alone. Mm-hmm. We can't. I agree. We can't. I agree. I do believe that your inner pilot light can do the healing with your wounded child, for example. But usually you need somebody of a high enough vibration to hold the safety, to hold the container, to bear witness to the healing that can happen between your inner pilot light and your woundedness. Yeah. I so needed that. At least in the beginning. I I totally agree. And I'll always have my coaches and guides because I I truly believe we are, I'm not the only person in the universe. There are other people here for a reason. And there's so many people that are heading me on the path or have gifts to share with me. And I had a teacher explain it to me once like this. And I love this. this. This put a beautiful picture in my mind. She said, working with a therapist or a guide or a healer, someone with integrity, right? That isn't coming at you with, I'm the guru and I have all the answers. So the first part is trusting your inner pilot light to lead you to the right teachers. Uh-huh. And often it takes, I've had some wounding and trauma with spiritual teachers that I put on a pedestal. So often it takes having some that taught you a few lessons and weren't exactly there to heal, but were part of the healing process because they showed you what an unhealthy dysfunctional with a healer can look like. I had definitely a few of those. 
but my discernment became stronger and I'm much more attuned to like who really can serve me and who I have that divine appointment with. And it was explained to me like this. The teacher said to me, all your answers are inside Christine. They're, they're all there. It's like you have this cave and written on all the walls inside of you are all the answers. And me as a guide or any guide or hero you choose, it just carries the lantern into the cave with you. And just helps shine the light and reveal some of those answers. And that was such a beautiful visual for me because it was like, oh, they are inside of me, but sometimes I need a light. Like sometimes I need a little help navigating it and showing me where to go. And like you said, holding that space of compassion, because especially when I first started to do the work and dive into some of my trauma, I I could not find my place of inner compassion. I, I didn't know where that was. And I needed that modeled for me. I needed someone to model for me what holding a container of safe space looks like. So then eventually I could do it for myself. Well, and that's why I started writing The Daily Flame, Mm. because I wasn't, you know, here I, I was doing a daily practice for myself where every morning I would wake up and I would just ask my inner pilot, like, what do I need to know today? What do you want to tell me today? And I realized at some point after doing this, this kind of an automatic writing practice, I realized that what was coming through me sounded pretty universal. Mm. Like it was, sometimes it was customized specifically to, Lisa, you need to quit your job as a doctor in the hospital. (laughs) But a a lot of times what was coming through sounded more like, you know, like universal wisdom, Mm -hmm. like spiritual principles, like these kind of downloads. And so I started sharing them publicly because I thought, you know what? Maybe what my inner pilot light is telling me is not just for me. Mm. But what I absolutely do not want to do is to create dependency where people think I need, I, Lisa, need to tell them what their inner pilot light is telling them. No, no, no. The whole point is that hopefully it's a bridge that if you can recognize what an inner pilot light might sound like, and it's extremely nurturing, compassionate. My inner pilot light uses lots of terms of endearment, like calls me sweetheart and beloved and is very sort of um, saccharine in some ways around the effusive mm-hmm. uh, comfort. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it comes in with like a scalpel mm. that will just cut away everything that isn't love, will cut away that everything, everything that isn't true, but does it with a spoonful of sugar. Mm-hmm. And so... My hope with that email was that if people can recognize, oh, this is what that soulful divine essence inside of you might sound like, then they can start to recognize what isn't their inner pilot light, for example. So like my inner pilot light never criticizes me, never bullies me, never pressures me the way like, you know, a coach would like a soccer coach, right? right? There's never any shaming. There's never any, like, it's very clear that from the point of view of that part, there's nothing I can do wrong. However, there is sort of the kind of Kali sword of here's how you're creating your own suffering, sweetheart. You're free to keep creating your own suffering. But if you would like to stop suffering, let me show you something. So I think that's what a really skillful facilitator can do is to just support your own deepening of your connection to the doctor, healer, therapist, spiritual teacher inside of you. And that is priceless. And that will live with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. 
Yeah. But even then, I don't trust. This is one of my discernment pieces. Mm -hmm. If somebody is functioning as a spiritual teacher or a therapist or a healer or a shaman or whatever, and they don't have their own living, current teacher, guide, therapist, I don't trust them. Because the person who says, well, I have arrived, I have a permanent, secure, 100% reliable connection to my inner pilot light, and and I'm never wrong. (laughs) Bullshit, again. That's where my bullshit meter goes. Uh Uh-uh. I don't buy that. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. That's why I say I'll always have a coach. I have two right now. And, And because I would feel completely out of integrity if I had no one calling me forward, if I had no one helping me discover what there is to discover navigating and, and, and yeah, it's kind of making the assumption of, I don't need this. Like I'm done. So one of my clients this morning asked me, she's like, you know, I don't know what stage I'm at. What stage do you think I am? Am I close to being done? I'm like, well, when you're dead, then you're done with this lifetime. (laughs) That's about as much (laughs) as I can tell you, but there is, there is no done. And what do you think of this sort of like, I don't know if I call it a trend, but it's sort of another way that personal growth industry has got off, got off the rails that there's like this, this spiritual seniority, like, like I've been working on myself this long and I can meditate this long. And, and what do you think of that? And what do you think that's really about? Oh, that's the spiritualized ego. It's Mm. so cute. I love, I have a part (laughs) like that inside of me and it wants to know, how am I doing? Do I get a gold star? Does the teacher like me? Am I going to be advancing to the next level soon? It's like, yeah, the same part that was like tracking my development in medical school and making sure that I got it right. uh, it, It just turned, it's, it turned its attention towards my spiritual life. So I think it's super cute. It's ambitious. It's, uh, yeah, it wants praise and approval. It wants to compare and contrast me to other people to see how I'm doing and judge how they're doing. I love that part in me, but I don't let it drive the bus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that intimidates a lot of people too, is they compare themselves to other people's paths. And that's a dangerous place to go because we're all we're all on our different paths and we're all on our own paths. And so to compare ourselves to how far along someone else is or how quickly they got over their trauma or whatever is just, again, part of that ego, but it's more like that, that wounded ego part that I'm not enough part. I'm not doing it right. Right. I'm not enough. And that's what that part protects. Yeah. Right. The, The spiritualized ego is protecting the little wounded exiled I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm never going to get there. Somebody else is there and I'm not there. I want to make one more quick comment about that before we switch directions, because I think it's really important, which is that if you are, if you do have a spiritualized ego part that wants to assess your development and look at maps of consciousness and, you know, track where am I, I think it's also really important to distinguish that there are lines of development that uh, do not cross over. So somebody might be, for example, very realized in their, in their awareness of non-dual consciousness, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe very spiritually realized and very psychologically immature or very sexually immature. So these, these various lines of sort of mental, emotional, spiritual, somatic development, you know, psychological development, these are different lines of development. And I think people often make a terrible mistake of thinking, for example, that some Indian guru who's been up by in a cave by himself and has had a high level of spiritual realization and can speak about it, 
we're going to assume that he knows better than to sleep with his disciples who are all giving their authority and their agency away. And when he says, oh, it's, it's a spiritual healing if I have sex with you, and then they go, they go along with it without checking in with their own inner pilot light and uh, assessing their inner power to say, is that aligned for me? Is that actually something I'm consenting to? So people get in all kinds of trouble, and then we wind up with the entire Me Too movement because of that tendency mm. to project some sort of human perfection on people that are very developed in one line of development, mm -hmm. but maybe very, very handicapped in others. Mm. In your experience, how have you learned to be discerning with who you go to for, we can call it help, advice, guidance, support? Whatever, whatever word you want to use. How have you become more discerning about that, about who to trust, who to really go to? Well, like I said, I go to my inner pilot light first. Mm. And I have, I just created a, an online program because so many people have asked me this question. My husband was like, I want to learn what are the tools that you use? So for example, if I'm thinking of working with a spiritual teacher, then I have a series of like 30 different practices that I can access to ask my inner pilot light, yes or no. And I often will use many of them. If it's an important enough decision, like so the, the decision about whether or not to say yes when my husband proposed was a really big decision. So I'm going to go to my inner pilot light first, right, to check in with these practices. And so um, I realized that I ha I've never actually taught about those practices. And my husband was like, I want to learn how to do these practices. So we created an audio program that has a little bit of video, but it's mostly audio program, literally teaching those practical brass tacks kinds of things. And we're g giving it away for free right now if people pre-order three copies of the Daily Flame book, and then it'll be for sale afterwards. So we, like, for me, that's fundamental is going to those those practices. And if I get multiple levels of confirmation, so let's say my body compass, and I teach specifically, you know, what that is, but I'll ask my body, yes or no, and I have a way of gauging the compass of my body. So if my body says yes, and then I might go to muscle testing, for example, applied kinesiology, and we won't get into the controversies of that, but I do use it. And I might check, you know, check my body. If I can't feel through my sensation, what is my body saying? Have somebody muscle test me or muscle test myself. I might, um, you know, use practices like uh, invoking random music on my iPod or picking a book off the shelf and intuitively opening to a page. I have like 30 of these. And often synchronicity will support me in this. So if, for example, you know, I'm trying to decide whether I want to do this workshop with this spiritual teacher, then three people will call me in that week and say, I'm going to this workshop with the spiritual teacher. Do you want to come with me? Or things like that. But then I also have external. So, I, you know, you asked the question about discernment. So for me, first of all, it's a check in. Yep. And then it's a check out. Right. So I'm also assessing that person that I might be that I might let inside my energy field in a really vulnerable way, right? Like yeah. a therapist yeah. or a doctor or intimate. a healer or yeah. a shaman. Yeah. Very intimate. I'm, I'm now inviting somebody potentially to mess with my field, right? And ideally, in, in the best case scenarios, this is a beautiful thing. Like we, you know, if, if we're in the presence of somebody with a very high vibrational biofield, 
then if we have blocks in that biofield, then theoretically that person with that high vibration can entrain our field into their field and healing can happen, right? So I think that's really, from a scientific level, I was just talking to Shamini Jane this morning, who is the scientist who runs the Consciousness and Healing Initiative um, about this, about the, the role of the healer, like what is a true healer doing? Mm. And that's often all it is. It's like a high vibrational energy field that is shifting stuck patterns in the field of the person who is yep. in that person's presence. Yep. But they're doing the healing. They're healing themselves. Right. But having the presence of that high vibration energy, if it's clean and if there's, if they've done enough work on themselves to unhook from the possible corruption that comes with having that kind of power, mm-hmm. then, then all kinds of miracles can happen. And I mean, real miracle, like real, yep. blow your mind kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like science and couldn't prove kind of miracles. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So exciting. I want to... Pause there and just go back a little bit to the the check-in first. And I know that you share a lot of these in the course you're offering people if they buy the books. And we'll tell people how to do that when we wrap up. Could you give an example of one technique that you use for people so they could start practicing oh, I, immediately? Well, I just I mentioned a bunch of them. Um, you mean lead? The, the problem is, Christine, the practices all take about half an hour to lead. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. That, that but I'll... Is, I'll I'll we, give you a really quick one. Perfect. Let's do a quickie. <laughs> this is this is one of them. This one's really fast and and kind of playful and fun. So if you're listening and you would like to ask your, let's say, ask your inner pilot light a question, uh, just take a moment to kind of drop into your heart space and get clear on the question. This is actually really important, is how to ask the right binary question and try to make it a specific one thing at a time kind of question. So for example, you don't want to ask, should I move to Boston or New York? I'm living in LA. Mm -hmm. You want to ask first, is it aligned for me to move out of LA? Right. Step by step. Mm -hmm. And then you want to ask, is it aligned for me to move to Boston? And then you want to ask, is it aligned for me to move to New York? Mm -hmm. So those, because those are three different questions. Yeah. And people have a tendency to um, lump together lots of questions in one. Mm. So break it down as simply as possible. So, for example, you might not want to say, is it aligned for George to be my husband? You might say, is it aligned for me to have a husband? (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Right? Because maybe maybe it's actually aligned for you to have a monastic path and you're meant to go live in an ashram as a celibate monk. Mm. So we make a lot of assumptions mm. about these kinds of things. So if you're listening, just see if, you, if you're wrestling with something that you're not clear about. Just check in and get clear on the simplest version of the question. Mm. Sim- simplest version of the question. And you can do this. You can keep doing this inquiry with further deepening on your own. So. Just give it a moment to let the question come. Ask your inner pilot light to even help you, give you the question. And now we're going to pretend, this is pretend, so the anthropologists would call this bracketing. I'm going to ask you to bracket a worldview, and we're going to pretend that there's the visible world and then the invisible world and an increasingly thin veil between the two, and that the invisible world 
is populated with all kinds of energies and consciousness that is trying to help you make the right aligned choices to live a fulfilling, playful, celebratory, meaningful, purpose-filled life full of love and connection and joy and feeling all of your feelings without bypassing any of them, <laughs> all of that, right? So let's assume that there's consciousnesses over there and we'll, we'll just include your inner pilot light as one of them. Or you can think of it as a spirit guide, or you can think of it as an animal totem, or an angel, or an alien, or whatever your cosmology allows you. And we're going to pretend that those beings on the other side of the veil all have iPhones, (laughs) and that they can instantaneously answer your question, but only if you ask. Only if you ask. So just think of all these bored, unemployed spirit guides on the other side of the veil. They're just sitting there because they're like, oh. As humans, they're so self-sufficient. They think they can do it all themselves with a self-help book. And so they don't humble themselves in the ask of, I can't do it alone. I need help. So we're now going to humble ourselves uh, in, in the face of these invisible forces of love. And you're going to pretend that you have your own iPhone and you're going to type in your question, just like you're sending a text. So just see yourself in your mind's eye, closing your eyes and seeing yourself in your mind's eye, typing in the text, and then just see yourself press send. And now with your eyes still closed, look at your iPhone. There's an answer there. See what it says. So that's it. That's the practice. Mm. You may or may not have gotten an answer. When I do this in workshops, usually 80% of people raise their hands. They got an answer. They're shocked. Yes. Oh, I love this. I love this. And I love how easy it is and how simple it is. I know some take 30 minutes, but that one only took about three and such a useful technique. Exactly. And I, I, I'm it's, so, I'm so glad too, you broke down how to get to like the, to really break down the most basic questions, because a lot of times there's 10 questions in one question. And now I understand exactly. why so often I've been like, well, my intuition isn't telling me anything. It's like, well, it's not that it's that I've been asking the wrong question. I've been making a lot of assumptions and loading and using words like should instead of is this aligned for me or not. So my intuition can't give me an answer because there is no answer because there is no question that my higher wisdom or my inner pilot light can really answer from. You'll see this a lot. If you start using muscle testing, you'll see it a lot because people will get an equivocal muscle test. That's because they're they're getting a yes to part of it and a no to another. Yes, it's aligned for you to move. No, it's not aligned for you to move to New York. Yes, exactly. And and so people, if you don't know a muscle testing and just a basic description is you, you're asking your body and which on our body is very connected to our inner pilot light. So a way you could do it is hold your arm out and ask the questions and somebody could press down on your arm. They first test for a strong yes or a strong no. And then ask the questions, yes or no. And if your arm holds strong, then it's more of a yes. And if it, if it drops, it's more of a no. Um, that's just one way to do it. But if you're curious about that, you may want to research kinesiology and muscle testing. And, and there's a hundred ways to get it wrong. So if you, look, totally. if you look at scientific data, it actually has been disproven as a completely ineffective technique. But that's because the scientists are not controlling for the things that have to be controlled for, which includes the consciousness of the tester. Mm-hmm. And the attachment of the test E. So I do a double blinded a lot of the time. I'll, I do it so that I just write two things. It's aligned for me to move to New York. It's not aligned for me to move to New York. I, 
put them on pieces of paper, crumble them up, and test someone that way. So both the tester and the testee don't know what they're testing. Yeah. That's a fun way to play with consciousness. I love that. I love that. We do that. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie yeah. and I do that. Yeah. And and I found muscle testing very valuable for me in terms of a food or a supplement. I can I can hold it mm-hmm. to my body and feel into it in my body. If it leans toward it, it's a yes. If it leans away, it's a no. If it doesn't move, it's kind of mm-hmm. a neutral. So I've found that it works. And and what I love so much about what you teach, Lisa, is you teach so holistically about how we mm. connect to our inner pilot light, about how we connect to source, to God, whatever that is, and about how we connect to other people. And mm. and that's not just our tribe and our friends, but it's also it's also the healers and the guides. And I put a podcast up last week actually about how to ask for help. And mm-hmm. one of it was just sharing that one of my practices is, you know, when I get to a level where I really feel like I I'm craving needing a guide, like where I have like a lot, I know there's a lot of conscious incompetence, like there's stuff I know I don't know, but there's, I also know there's a lot I don't know I don't know. <laughs> when I feel into that point, I'll just ask, I'll just pray and I'll say, please send me, help me find, please uh-huh. send me my next teacher. Uh, do you ever do that when you're looking for the next teacher or guide in your journey? Well, I have a practice and I, I teach this extensively in the program because it's a it's a deep and meaningful and probably the most important practice that I practice and mm-hmm. that I teach uh, that I call the God box practice. And this is essentially any time. These are the three things that remind me to do the practice. And that's the hardest part of the practice is to remember not to try to control my life. So the minute I come into contact with either an unmet longing, so something that I want that I don't have yet, and I'm feeling, ow, 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 I really want a partner, and I haven't found the partner. I've been praying for the partner. The partner hasn't come out, 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 right? Unmet longing. Unsolved problem, right? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. I have to fix what's going on with these two people in my family that are so polarized, and they just keep going at it, and I keep intervening, and it's not working. Okay, unsolved problem, right? Undecided decision, right? So I'm wrestling with something. I'm feeling torn this way or this way. I can't tell. I'm asking my guidance. I'm not getting an answer. Undecided decision. So those are my three kind of cues to do the practice. And it's a deep practice of spiritual surrender, which includes not bypassing all of the feelings that we're afraid to feel when we're in the face of that uncertainty and feeling out of control. Of, for example, you know, when I'm working, I, I was trained as an OBGYN, so I had a lot of contact with women who really, really wanted to be mothers and were infertile. And that is a painful, mm-hmm. painful thing to sit with. And so I watched all the ways that people would bu- bypass the discomfort of that situation. Uh, you call it an expectation hangover, Christine. Um, all of the ways that people either pretend they didn't really want it or they rationalize, well, it must be for the best, or they try to control it and they're doing, you know, 10 years worth of IVF every month and they've spent their entire fortune and it's not working. Like all the different defense mechanisms that we have to avoid the feeling of, I really want something, I'm out of control here. I can't make it happen. No amount of will or force or money, or prayer is working, everything is falling apart. And the practice is intended to 
support you through those feelings so that you can actually trust that the aligned solution will come to you in divine timing in its own way. And all we have to do is ask and, mm-hmm. and be with the feelings, be with the feelings. That's really the practice is be with the feelings that arise in that moment. And often when I do this practice with people in a workshop, for example, then the, the room is full of tears. The feeling underneath all that attempt to control life is often grief, fear, like really tender, vulnerable emotions. And we're so uncomfortable. Disappointment. So feeling, moving through those emotions allows us to be more creative, more curious, more compassionate with ourselves, more calm. And what I find over and over again, and Tosha Silver has actually written a whole book of kind of magic stories of what happens when people do this. What happens when you actually just surrender and you let, you really let go? And I know at one point in my life, I was the kind of person that if I let go of something, it had claw marks on it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you could like, surrender, like you really worked. <laughs> like yeah. Surrender was an act of defeat, yes, right? Like totally. everything I knew how to do, like, like my first book never got published. And mm. I did everything for two years. I did everything I knew how to do to get that book published. Ah. Uh, and it didn't work. And so I finally, like, on my knees, in tears, my agent and I, like, tore up the manuscript on the beach and had this big ceremonial bonfire and lots of drama and tequila. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in the past, that was how I would let go. And now I try to cave early, mm. like, the minute I notice it yeah, to activate that practice. And what's really seems miraculous about it is that I can't tell you how many times the thing that I've put in my God box has come to me very quickly and very clearly with great clarity. And sometimes that means that doesn't always mean you get what you want, but it means you get clarity. Yes. So sometimes the answer is a closed door, very clear, closed door. Yes. But very often. So it's, in other words, it's not another law of attraction practice to try to get you what you want. It doesn't work that way, Mm. but it often looks that way. It often looks like I put something in the God box and the next day it shows up on my doorstep. And how is it different from law of attraction? Well, I'm not in control. Exactly. So I have zero. So I am not manifesting something. I am surrendering something. And so if I don't get what I want, I'm not saying I didn't do the law of attraction good enough. And I'm a bad I'm manifester. Saying, yeah. I'm a bad manifester and I just need to say more affirmations and make a better vision board. I'm not seeing it that way. I'm seeing that I'm grateful for the guidance, even if the guidance is steering me away from what I want, because really what I want at the core is to live in alignment with my inner pilot light. Yep. That's my fundamental desire. Uh, And so so all other desires are secondary to that, but it doesn't mean that I don't have disappointment if my desire isn't realized. That's so true because there's no attachment. There's no attachment. Well, there is attachment. There ah. is attachment. <laughs> there is attachment. That's why I feel disappointed. Well, I am attached. Right. What I was saying more is when we surrender, there isn't that attachment. At least that's what I experience. Yeah. So I'm a- that the practice is able to make me realize, to make me feel a- more peaceful. Yes. In the face of the uncertainty. Such that what I know and experience now, I kind of joke that I used to have blind faith and now I have evidence-based faith. And I'm a doctor, (laughs) so I like evidence. So 10 years of living this way, more now, I guess it's been 12 years of living this way, 
what I can say is that when I do this practice and I trust that some something knows better than me, it's in me and of me, so it is me, but it knows better than my mind, I should say, that some way of knowing that is wiser than my limited human mind can guide me to a path that is more mysterious and more miraculous and more shockingly surprising than my mind could have ever planned. Like if you had told me when I quit my job in 2007 that I would be doing the job I'm doing now and teaching doctors in the whole health medicine Institute and, you know, talking to scientists this morning about energy healing and writing books about spirituality. (laughs) Are you kidding? I'm a doctor. (laughs) So Hmm. it's, What I know is that uh, if I don't get what I want from this practice, I stop wanting it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The practice actually takes away the pain. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I can actually be grateful for the guidance, even though I didn't get what I thought I wanted, because fundamentally what I want is to live in alignment with my inner pilot light. So it moves me to tears sometimes when I'm feeling stuck and I am guided to a clear solution to the problem, a clear way to get the thing that I want or a clear no to my request or a clear decision. I'm so grateful, even if it's not the decision I wanted or if it's not the outcome I wanted. I'm so grateful for the guidance that the gratitude is a more positive feeling than having the wish fulfilled, for yes, example. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it's that. It's hard to articulate. I find it hard to talk about this. Oh, I think you're doing great. It's, it's making very a lot of sense. It, yeah. it is. And it comes from, well, it comes from experience, which is why I'm so glad that mm-hmm. you have a book and a program to, to help people. <laughs> so will you share a little bit about what the, the Daily Flame, Love Letters from Your Inner Pilot Light is, what that book is, and also how how they can order the book and get more bonuses from you and more teaching from you? Hmm. Yes. Thank you for the invitation. I'm just opening, uh, I have the galley of the book in front of me and I'm just opening it to see if there's a love letter that just wants to be read. So I just, I just uh, asked my inner pilot light to open. So this is love letter 202. Mm. Dear, Dear one, sometimes people disappoint you. They seem one way, but then they show you a side of them you have previously been blind to and you wind up questioning your own judgment. Doing the postmortem on the accuracy of your discernment can be a powerful lesson But don't be too hard on yourself either, sweetheart. You weren't crazy to see the best in those people. You simply saw their inner pilot lights without fully seeing their shadows. Don't kick yourself if you get wrecked by some behavior you didn't see coming, but do learn to see what's there. How? This is where I come in handy, my love. When you let me take the lead, I'll help you see someone's shadow riding shotgun with their light. I'll help you see someone's exposed surface. Seeing what is true and not just what you wish was true will help you know who you can really trust. Eyes wide open, your inner pilot light. <sighs> I love that. <laughs> oh, that felt so good. And that was actually perfect for me. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, like I said, I just asked. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, here, I, I'll, I'll read one more. This is 52. Okay. Beloved one. You know that fire in your belly that makes you stand up for what's right, set 
clear boundaries, scream from the rooftops, this is not okay, and lash out like a mama bear in the face of injustice? You know that inner bitch who draws a line in the sand, practices tough love, and fiercely stands her ground when you are asked to violate your soul's integrity? That's me, baby. I'm the fire in your belly. That same fire that celebrates cherry blossoms and salmon spawning, that jumps on trampolines, executes perfect backhand spring, passionately plays and creates and makes a whole lot of ruckus. I'm the fire that makes you do cartwheels on the beach and motivates you to harness all your power so you can change the world. I'm also the slow embers, the gentle burn of the campfire on the beach that creates warmth when everyone gathers to sing Beatles tunes at sunset. I'm the nurturing cuddle in your chest that warms you from inside your own heart when times are tough. So don't dim me down and don't be afraid of me, darling. Whether I'm igniting the full heat of my soul fire or keeping things toasty with a gentle burn, that's all me just doing my thing. Snap, crackle, pop, inner pilot light. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I love all the different, that's what's so beautiful about our inner pilot light. It can be like that super compassionate mama energy. It can be like that feisty, fiery, gets you going mojo energy. (laughs) I love that this, this gives us an opportunity to tap into all those different aspects of our, of ourselves. So, oh, beautiful. Okay. So the book's available on, on Amazon and also people can go to inner pilot light, right? And Innerpilotlight.com has mm-hmm. all the pre-order bonuses and stuff, and there's some some more content from the book and some other ways of just signing up for the Daily Flame. Like if people are like, I don't want the book, but I just would love to get these love letters in my inbox. They go out Monday through Friday every day for the past 10 years. So people can just sign up for, at innerpilotlight.com. And then my, my regular website and my blog and all of the other things that I do in the world, because uh, the Daily Flame has just been kind of a little side project, <laughs> uh, is my name. It's Lissa Rankin, L-I-S-S-A-R-A-N-K-I-N.com. Yes. And you do so many things in the world. And for the doctors listening, whose ears perked up, can you share a little <laughs> bit more about the training that you do with the docs? Yeah, it's it's called the Whole Health Medicine Institute. We're in the middle of this year's class, so we won't be enrolling again until probably this summer. But it's basically consciousness and healing work with doctors. We have three pillars in the program called the Heal the Healer work, the core curriculum, and business development, because many of them are unhappy with their role in the system as it is. And so we're also working with them to help them find a way to do their authentic, in-integrity healing work. So a lot of it is, you know, psychological and spiritual healing work with the doctors themselves because they're often so traumatized mm-hmm. by their training and by their system, the system and by whatever happened in childhood that made them willing to, to be, suffer in that way. And then there's also, you know, we're teaching a core curriculum. So it's a certification training process as well, teaching people how to facilitate the six steps to healing yourself that I teach in Mind Over Medicine and in my first two TED Talks. You know, it's a it's potentially miracle-creating kind of healing work that uh, doctors and other healthcare providers can use to facilitate helping patients get better outcomes. Mm. Uh, or And often, you know, it takes more time. So a lot of times these doctors are going into private practice in sort yeah. of an integrative medicine practice or... Uh, intentionally setting themselves up to be uh, doing healing healing work in addition to med- medicine work. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's, it is amazing. If you had told me 
I would be working with doctors. I was so traumatized by doctors. I didn't want to have anything to do with them. And I have gotten over that from my own trauma healing. And I really have such a tender, soft spot in my heart for how the doctors are suffering these yeah. days. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's my personal, like my most important personal mission is to that. heal, heal the healers. Heal the healers so doctors can enjoy being doctors and, and, you know, do what exactly. they long to do. Yeah. And then they can do real healing work with patients. And that's right. what we want. Like, my God, people with minds and educations and training like doctors have when they're applying it, when they're applying these methods, we have like 40 people on faculty that are all the leaders in the mind-body medicine and energy healing and shaman shamanism and all these other healing modalities. There. They're, they're being introduced to everything we should have gotten in medical school. It's basically everything you should have gotten in medical school and didn't get. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, thank you so much, Lissa. I just love and adore you. And you, Aww. to me, are such an inspiration because you really embody listening to your inner pilot light above all else. And Aww. also and, and being balanced, being an integrated human who also reaches out. And I know how you're such a mama bear for your tribe and, and for yourself, first and foremost, which has been beautiful to see you step more and more into that. Aww. And this book is just, just such a gift. So thank you for bringing it into the world. And everybody go and get your copies so you can get all of Lissa's incredible bonuses. Oh my gosh, you can get into the Connect With Your Inner Pilot Light program if you buy three books. And these are beautiful gifts. So innerpilotlight.com. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. Um, can I close with just one more little reading? Yes, I was going to ask you to. Okay. It's short. Okay. This is number 42. It's a day book, by the way. I didn't say that. So it's like a daily devotional. Like every day you can, or you can read the next page or you can use it like an oracle and just ask which one right now. So I just opened it. Which one right now? <laughs> Dearest Beloved. If you focus all your attention on appreciating your life without being honest with yourself about where you want more, you might find yourself turning your back on the tender vulnerability of your deepest yearnings. It simply hurts too much to open yourself to the potential disappointment of not having this unmet longing met. But if you constantly desire more without being grateful for what you have right now, you'll never feel satisfied. This puts you at risk of constantly feeding the hungry ghost, the gaping hole that wants more and more and more but never gets full, no matter how many desires get fulfilled. Most people are either glass half full or glass half empty people. They're either cheerful Pollyannas not sweating the small stuff and focusing on the positive, or they're ambitious, striving, insatiable cookie monsters trying to feed the hungry ghost without ever feeling satisfied. Mm. I'm simply asking you not to choose one extreme or the other, my love. Just look honestly at the glass without judging it. So tell me what you're grateful for today, and then tell me the biggest, most secret yearning of your heart. Let me shine my light on both filling you up the real way, your inner pilot light. <sighs> they just feel so good. <laughs> they just feel so good. <laughs> and that's my, you know, when people ask me, how do I know if I'm connecting to my intuition or my inner pilot or whatever we call it? I'm like, because it just feels like home. Just feels like well, home. Well, this is why I ended up publishing this book with Sounds True. They're like, this sounds true. I'm like, that's how I, that's how I hear it. And yeah. when it comes through my inner pilot light, I'm like, that sounds true. And all this other nonsense out there didn't yeah. sound all the way true. It sounded partly true. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you. 
Thank you for Thank you, being a truth teller Thank and helping us connect yeah. to the truth. <laughs> Thank you for, for letting me be with your community and for everybody who's listening. Thank you for even being brave enough to think about living an inner pilot light led life. Cause as Christine and I have lamented over mm-hmm. many times over the years, it's not easy, but it is rewarding. It is fulfilling. It is worth it. Mm. It certainly is. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. 